every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Dan Verley, Senior Vice President of Sales, Workplace Technologies and Services at Canon Solutions America. Canon provides integrated systems technology that comprise one of the strongest solutions portfolios in the document management industry. Dan has a highly diverse skill set with more than 34 years of proven experience successfully leading both sales and operations. On this episode, Dan shares his insights into achieving sales and marketing alignment, why having curated content that is easily digestible is important, and why marketing is an invaluable tool when paired with the needs of the organization. But first, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals, buying intent, and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Dan Verley and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest. Dan, how are you? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat about all things canon. And you know, what's interesting about today is we're going to look at marketing and go to market from a seller's perspective. You spent the vast majority of your career in sales. So this is a little bit of a different type of an episode for us to talk about it from the sales perspective. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at Canon? Yeah. I mean, largely my role is we've got roughly 600 direct from Canon to end users, B2B sales that I oversee through four zones across the U.S., and those are broken up into regions. Really, my goal is to make sure that we have a revenue-generating team that can meet the revenue needs of the organization. Obviously, we're a large manufacturer, and they count on our division, along with our value dealer partners, to make sure that we can move product to keep the business and the market share that we desire, and usually a little bit more than that. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, of course. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest sales secrets. So who does Canon sell to? What are the types of customers that you're selling to? So we've really, especially in the last few years, as, as COVID has kind of changed our marketplace a bit, Canon Solutions America, my division, which is the B2B arm, right? We're selling Canon products as a Canon entity. We've really focused from a vertical strategy to the high-end users of our products. So simple layman's terms, your K through 12 schools are still large users, higher ed, community college, universities. Healthcare is a fantastic business base for us. Verticals that you may not think of, verticals like legal are still high-end users, architect, engineering. So really where paper still plays a critical role, but more than that, we've also begun to evolve into managing digital documents and enterprise content management, ECM, 
through some Canon software solutions and third party that my organization sells as well. That's really where our focus has been. I'm sure I've left a few others out and, you know, FinTech I didn't mention, but that's another obvious one, banks, et cetera, where there's still a good amount of need for the products. Yeah. And what does the like buying committee look like for your products? Who's signing the dotted line? Who are the different stakeholders that are making decisions? Today, from a committee standpoint, you've you've clearly got the facilities planners because it it takes up office space. So they play a role in it. There's electricity involved. So you've got facilities management. A lot of times there's involvement from a production center, a mailroom where there's being staffed. The products that we sell are being staffed by employees that might report to them. Then you've also got an IT group. IT groups are very interested in our product because it's on the network. So that presents benefits, great benefits. It's an on-ramp for paper to get paper out of the office, ironically. A lot of our devices are now used to scan documents as much as print documents. So that's a benefit. But then obviously they have security control and cost control concerns that we have to make sure we address. And then last but not least, you've got financial considerations. So CFOs might get involved. And really from a budgetary standpoint, if you look at a P&L, we, we fall into that loving category called SG&A typically. Unless you're a commercial printer, then, you know, we're the tool you use to print that you sell. But in the real world, I'm SG&A. So they want to control that. And we try to think of ways to creatively use our technologies and, and oftentimes pair our technologies to help reduce that for them in unique and interesting ways. And for our listeners, what's SG&A? Uh, sales general and administrative. That's right. Yeah, so pretty diverse kind of buying committee. Uh, a lot of different people shaping the deal, I'd imagine, that's pretty complex. How do you structure your organization to acquire those accounts? Like what type of way do you organize to look at those key accounts and to deal with that complex buyer committee? Yeah, and that's where the the comment I made about verticalization plays in a little bit. So in a lot of cases, and I'll go to one segment that's really finite, commercial print. So if you just think of the commercial printer that's printing things that you might get in the mail at home, we sell into that space. So there, the buying committee is typically a commercial printer, an owner, a production manager. So we take our sales force and we segment it by that vertical. The same thing for legal or in K through 12 in the elementary school, middle school, high school business, because each of those verticals have unique needs, unique security concerns, and sometimes really customized workflow to their own industry. They want some of those workflows to be used right on our device. So like a real world example is if you're dealing with a law firm and they have our device, well, when they take in the paper, let's say they scan in the documents, they wanna be able to know where those documents are, what case they're related to, and be sure they can secure those documents so they're only shared as appropriate. And they wanna capture that at the device now. So the old days you'd scan that in, you'd pull it forward to a a computer, and then you do all your coding. Now they're really capturing that at the device, either utilizing technology or manual entry. So back to your question, the the answer is we need specialization within the sales force. So those unique questions aren't met with the, how do you specifically use that? Which is when we were very generalized in our sales force would happen. Everybody knew a little bit of everything, but success almost came with tenure because you learned a little bit about everything as you aged through our industry I've now been in over 30 years and you didn't learn those things until you were five and 10 years in. With specialization, they are much more prepared as salespeople to go to market and talk within the context of the customer, knowing the customer's needs, the customer's vocabulary, how they make money, how our device fits into their world, whether it's as a direct tool in a commercial printer 
a little bit with a law firm or as a, a tool to facilitate learning and education. There, it's more about paper movement between schools, controlling costs, tracking costs, making sure you have very secure access to these devices because they're oftentimes in public settings instead of only private. So that's really how we're strategizing from a sales standpoint is to as much as we can specialize. And then I'm curious, how do you partner with marketing? How do you think about marketing and integrating with your sales motions as your go-to-market strategy? Marketing is an invaluable tool and partner. I work very close with our VP of marketing. When done well and when paired well, and we all consider the needs of the organization and what role we each play, it's really a powerful tandem when you go to market if things are aligned. I can think of instances where perhaps things hadn't been as well thought out. And it's one story that comes to mind many years ago, we were launching digital file storage back before it was really a common concept. The idea was, it was just so cool that people would talk about it. And it was, and marketing did a great job and there was tons of interest, but really it just tied up the sales force's time because everybody wanted to talk about the digitization, but nobody had a budget for it. Nobody really had a concept of what this was going to cost. So we engaged in these really elongated sales cycles that just never closed, right? It just, it stayed out there. We took the exact same product. Marketing did some great research and looked into an industry. In this case, it was logistics. We said, hey, they really need this. They're experiencing a cost related to this as we speak. So that's a, a capital expenditure that we can show them reduction in. And we took the exact same product. We said, instead of selling it to everybody in our space, we're just going to target the 50 or so logistics companies. And then we were very successful just selling it as a logistics solution instead of a digital file drawer, which is how we first came up with it. And it just goes to speak of what I think marketing does a really good job at when paired well is the, the line of business, the end user needs and, and identifying that with input, obviously, from sales but then positioning our go-to-market strategies, the communication materials verticalized to those needs of those clients. So it speaks uniquely to them. Everybody looks at a product. We have a bit of a different interest in why we want that product. You really have to speak to them on their terms. And so that's where I think the combination of marketing and sales works best is when we look at it from both angles and it's a powerful tool when we do. All right, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where we talk about tactics. You can open up that playbook and talk about all the tactics that help you win. So in your opinion, over the past handful of years, what have been the marketing channels or tactics that you've seen that are uncuttable? Three things in the marketing tactics that I just absolutely wouldn't do without. The, the first is really, from a marketing perspective, they've done an excellent job with demand gen in our company. So that sits outside. Obviously, as a sales team, we do our own prospecting and networking as a sales team. Sure. But as part of the marketing function, they've set up a verticalized demand gen team with an outbound calling and an inbound. So they'll run different marketing campaigns, ad campaigns, web campaigns, internet campaigns. And then they've done a great job bringing on new tools. A tool like Zoom Info has really been really excellent tool for us to add to our portfolio. So they're seeing real time who's having interest in our products on our sites, kind of the Google ads, if it's bouncing up to the top concept, they see where it's coming in for us. And then funneling those leads to the sales team 
so that we can act on them. We've gotten numerous sales from accounts, ironically, we didn't even know. The other thing from marketing that I think is really been helpful is they've really adopted storytelling. Instead of kind of specs and speeds and feeds, as we tend to call them in our industry, they've gone to storytelling and I wouldn't want to see that go away. And, and what do I mean by storytelling? They're really no different than short abbreviated solutions to known business problems within vertical and then creating that content in a brief way that we can carry it to the field in a consistent way. One of the challenges we as sales have, in particular industry, it's it's not a big secret. Our industry does hire people without experience. Not everybody walks in understanding everything about it. So to yeah. those people, there's a, a good chunk of the sales force out there, 10 to 20% that's under a year. So they don't have all of this industry knowledge. And so to have curated content that they can quickly understand, digest, communicate to the customer really helps a lot to, to A, make sure we get the right message out there, which is very important. But I think more important, B, we don't get the wrong message out there. And then for the, the third thing, I, I think it's just really the programs that they give us to go to market with when they see industry changes. In our company, the way it works is marketing really is the arm to work with the manufacturing side or the manufacturing side of Canon or our business partners. Perhaps a business partner's product has started to lag behind in the industry, either in terms of price, functionality, acceptance, what have you. And their ability to manage those relationships and make sure that they keep the solutions we're asking the sales team viable is critical. A confident salesperson who believes in what they're doing, despite whatever training I may have over somebody else or somebody else over me, confidence in your product and belief in your product is powerful. And if you believe it in your soul and you can look them in the eyes and say, hey, here's why you want to do this. This is what I would tell anybody, no matter where I was and, and why this is the right solution for you. Customers are smart. They sense that confidence. They also sense the lack of confidence. Yeah. If you're worried, they become worried. If you're bold and confident in what you say and you believe it, which requires this pre- marketing effort to make sure we're in the right spot with the right product, the right product price positioning, it just adds to that. So it's hugely impactful to my sales team in terms of their self-esteem, their confidence level when they're out there making those calls, trying to close that deal. Because let's face it, you're not always going to be the cheapest. You may not always be the fastest, but there's a compelling argument to be made for your solution that you believe in vehemently that's still a powerful salesperson. I love it. That's great. And I think that it's one of the things that we see a lot on here is whether it's a piece of like anchor content or like a sales enablement tool or an assessment or something that you can really equip the seller with that they can use and refer back to and say like, our research team put all this stuff together. I'm curious if there's a, a tool or a series of tools, you mentioned Zoom Info being one, that are really helpful that kind of bridge that sales marketing gap. That's like extremely critical to zip up the sales marketing with that architecture and the sales architecture and, and joining it. So I'm just curious your thoughts on technologies, what you're seeing that you like and what are some things that you're excited about? You mentioned Zoom Info and I think people generally know it's a great database, a great place to search for contacts, the right phone numbers, right email addresses. It's a good place to filter and sort down information, but really more interesting and, and some specifics were, you know, we would take a territory out of Salesforce, a territory that existed and been developed, you know, as Canon had evolved, it was development of Canon business solutions over the years as a direct sales entity, and then 
we bought a company called Ose that had Imagistics embedded with it. If you trace its lineage back, it was the old Pitney Bowes copier and fax division. So there was a lot of data that kind of came into Salesforce from a lot of different angles. And um, yet we would take the data, we'd put it into Zoom Info for a set of zip codes, and then we'd filter on any company over 5 million, which not a bad prospect for us. 30% of the companies weren't even in Salesforce. So you start to look at market penetration. I hadn't even identified that despite all the cold calls and all the telemarketing calls and all the different magazines we'd read and back in the day, trips to the library to get reference USA lists. I can remember that back in the 80s. All that still hadn't found these clients because businesses evolve, their names change, they merge, they combine. Sometimes they just grow very quickly in today's day and age. Prospects that didn't exist 10 years ago are now billion dollar companies as we've seen. And if you're not staying on top of that, you're missing huge chunks of your opportunity, chasing down what used to be a big organization and not pursuing what today is. And so something like that is more powerful. I think the biggest challenge we have sales is to appreciate the power. We've had that tool now a year and a half. We're still not using it to its full capability and going back and training reps and getting mindshare on how they can use it to drive. And reps are really obviously motivated by success and income competition. (laughs) It's still a healthy motivator for my sales team. So really, when you start to have people having success and the others who went through the training, but maybe didn't embrace it and didn't put it into their daily cadence. Now they're coming back a year later saying, oh, there's a lot more to this. I thought it was just a list in the sky. It's much more than that. And so I think those are great tools. We've been using another product called BrainShark recently, which we're getting to know. That's been a nice tool because... We'd love to go face-to-face as often as we can. I'm, I'm still a little bit old school. I, I still like doing business face-to-face across the desk where I can see people, I can see their reaction, I can sense what's going on in the room. So with BrainShark, to, to when it can't happen, we can voice over a proposal using the tool. We can send out content. We can have contests between people on what we levelingly call the elevator pitch, starters to conversations with strangers, which is the new way of calling a cold call. We can use it for training. We can use it for voicing over proposals. We also can use it as a marketing tool. You might know that somebody has a particular solution and a new product came out. Like we just launched the V1000 commercial print. It's got some unique features that address some problems we know a competitor has. So maybe you can't get in front of somebody, but you send a nice link with a, hey, we know this is how things are now. Wouldn't it be great if it worked this way? And just get that short little brief content out there in a way they can ingest it on their time when they have time instead of when we interrupt their world, whether it's knocking on their door, dialing their phone, sending an email, trying to schedule the teams. There's a lot of people that still want to ingest content on their own time. And this gives us the ability to do it, but with our voice. So it's a nice intermediate step to, I think, the preferred method, which would always be face-to-face, but we take what we can get in the sales world. Okay. So super helpful. That's great. You know, kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit further, our guests obviously always trying to figure out ways to increase that predictability, the lead flow, get more high quality leads to sales is always the name of the game, but shaping those accounts, doing all that sort of stuff. When it comes to figuring out the folks that are on the website, that are that are cruising around, that are doing those sort of things, how important is that to you as a sales leader to make sure that you know like what accounts are the ones that are hot, that are poking around the website, that are doing those sort of things, and to make sure that those are getting the, the requisite priority? The best sales we have from a sales perspective are when we uncover a problem a client doesn't know about but is significant to them, 
and we can carry it to them because the average customer is pretty appreciative. I walk in and say, hey, I have a, a better way to do this. And I, I take them down to use your term, the rabbit hole of if you did it this way, it would reduce your operating costs 30 percent. Or if you did it this way, it would affect your overall hours spent on this task by 20 hours a week. If we can train them in that, most people are satisfied if we can give them a significant savings that they don't necessarily go out and collect 50 proposals because the customers are appreciative of the solution we come up with was engineered by us. And there's a value to that engineering of coupling the solution, understanding their business problem. Now, some can take the work we've done and go and shop it around, but there's at least the sense of they're getting that added value of we took the time to learn their business. We took the time to talk to their end users. We took the time to bring this and they're willing to reward us with that, especially if it's a great net savings to them. They're like, yeah, okay, I can put you through the procurement grinder and beat you for another 5% off of this price. But what will I really get for all that time and energy? And what might I cut out of it to, to match a competitive price? So I don't want the leads that everybody knows about because then I'm just in the market and I'm one of four or five proposals. Canon fares well, we're very competitive, but if I can get somebody into the market, solve a problem, bring tremendous value to them and take them out of the market before that they necessarily have done tons and tons of research where I'm adding the value, that's much better than the client who comes and says, well, I want A, B, and C. I used to sell outsourcing. So back to your, your question of hot leads and how do I view hot leads? Well, they are great, especially ones I didn't know about, I wasn't involved in. That's fantastic, especially if they have an interest in particular in Canon or Canon functionality, things that are specific to us. Obviously, we feel we've got great pricing, great product, great service, a good reputation in the industry. We're definitely number one in market share in most categories. So we feel we can compare and compete very well in a competitive situation. That's a very different sales dynamic. The customer calls me up that says, you're my sixth quote, and here's the Excel spreadsheet of things I want to buy from you. And the customer that says, you know, I'm spending... $200,000 a year on my printing needs. And my boss came to me and said, I need to trim my budget by 20%. I can walk in and save them 30% and be a hero. So very different sales cycles, both important, both valued. That's the name of the game, right? If you can bring the cold lead something or the cold accounts info or asset or teach them something about yourselves, obviously that's just as important as keeping the hot stuff in pipe. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh Uh-oh, here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. So where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your competitors, your marketing team, or anyone else, have you had a memorable dust-up in your career? Wow, dust-ups. So yeah, there there have obviously been some. If you've sold for this long, there have been challenges from all sides of it. I was with a company in one organization back where I had started in this industry, and they really felt like they were falling behind in the, the higher end of the market. So they, they ventured into making rapid, quick partnerships with other OEMs and then private labeling the product and inundated the high end of the marketplace with products To put politely, I won't name them because they're not picking on them. They were at the end of their life cycle with these OEMs, right? The the OEMs had gotten to the point where they couldn't sell it either. In in my mind as a salesperson, I I imagine they were kind of snickering like that old cartoon with the little dog that used to snicker. Like their marketing people at that company, at the OEM, was snickering that we'd be crazy enough to take it on, commit to selling X number of units and putting our sticker on them. And then they dumped the product into our lap. (laughs) 
and said, go sell this. It's great. And I'm like, yeah, 10 years ago, it was great. And that's why all this is in the market space. But there's this new technology that's replaced it. We're the only people out trying to sell this now. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty competent salesperson, but I don't know that I can do this for you. And they really kind of committed us in a way that we couldn't get out of. All right, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. It's your quick questions and quick answers, just like how quickly you could talk to somebody from Qualified. If you go to qualified.com, Qualified Prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly with Qualified. If you use salesforce.com, you need to use Qualified. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Dan, are you ready? Buckled in. Uh, what is one hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? Wakeboarding. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you've been checking out recently? I've gone back to read Emotional Intelligence. If you weren't in sales or business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? A preacher. What would be your best advice for a first-time VP who's trying to figure out their sales strategy? Listen to your people. Dan, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks again for joining and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks much. Pleasure, Ian. Thank you. The Mangen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.